Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. How many of you know that there is a war raging all around us? And at the core of that war is a war for your identity. It's a war for you to come into agreement that you are something and that based on that something that you are, you would live a certain way. And the truth is, when we look around us, there are a lot of different groups and peoples and ideologies that are participating and trying to capitalize on that war so that you can be defined by a particular agenda. And so the attempt of that war, the schemes that are going on are to divide us so that they can conquer us. The temptation for you and I is that we would fix our eyes on the wrong enemy. That we would make our enemy somebody that doesn't believe like us, somebody that doesn't look like us, somebody that doesn't have what we have or has what we don't have. And that we would actually be found and defined by those differences instead of united by who we are in Christ. And the temptation for us is to believe those lies and then to live out of the place of the lies that we're believing. And the truth is that if you don't know who you are, then it's easy to believe that you are what other people say about you. That you're defined by the lies of the enemy. The truth is, is that there are three versions of you. There is a version of you that you think you are. And in that version of you is your past experiences, your present condition, your future hopes, what other people have said about you. And you begin to build this identity on who you think you are based on the information that you've been able to gather. There's another version of you that can become the version that you think you are. And that's the version of the enemy behind all of the division. That's the you that's defined by the accuser. And the accuser likes to use your history to define your destiny. The accuser says that you are what you've done. And our culture tends to play right along. Let me give you an example. We've all had the thought, I should do that because everybody else is doing that, right? You ever had that thought? And then here's the next step. That if you do it, then you are it, right? 
Like I gave in to that temptation, I tried that thing, I had that experience, and now I am it. And then there's a third step to this process. And that is that if you are it, you can't change it. And it's interesting, it only tends to lead us into bondage. It doesn't seem to work the other way. Like we never tend to believe that we are our best moments. We always believe that we're our worst moments, right? How many of you would say the last couple of years have been pretty tough? You had a bad moment in there? <laughs> said something you wish you wouldn't have said? Maybe you spent money on something you shouldn't have spent money on? Maybe you treated your spouse a certain way. Maybe you blew up on your kids. And as soon as you do, what happens is there's a voice that comes in and tries to tell you, that's who you really are, right? Like you're that thing. I wanna talk to you, it's about something that we've talked about before, but I believe it's the key to us finding life in 2022. I wanna talk to you about abiding and I'm gonna to talk to you about two trees. You see, the enemy would like for you and I to live out of this tree over here. You thought I was doing a social distanced interview. <laughs> this tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This tree is defined by what we do. This tree is defined by our religious pursuits by our sin pattern. This tree is defined by those two voices, what I think about me and what the enemy says about me. And this tree finds itself lost. It's the tree of try harder. It's the tree of do more. It's the tree of striving. It's the tree of rebellion. And this is the tree that we so often find ourselves stuck in. Let me tell you about this tree. You probably remember this tree. In fact, this tree is always on this side of the stage, which confuses me as to why so many of you tend to sit over there and you haven't started moving <laughs> over here. This is the tree of life. These ladies over here get it, don't you? The tree of life is defined by the only voice that matters. This is who God says you are. I love what the Apostle Paul writes. It undoes, 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 undoes much of our theology, quite honestly. It's in Ephesians chapter one. Starting Three, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Somebody should say, that's good news. When we begin to live out of this tree, here's what we find. 
we find that before I was ever lost in sin, I was found in Jesus. Before I ever found myself eating of this tree with Adam and Eve in the garden, I was already predestined to be in this tree. Now, some of you have been confused by the word predestined. You think it means there's a way for some and not a way for others. The word predestined is that there is a way where there was no way. And it's accessible to everyone who choose to walk, chooses to walk in that way, okay? And so when we begin to recognize that everything over here is just a lie, it's just deceit, it's just a trap, you're just buying into the lies of the enemy and the lies of the culture around you, this is not who you are. You aren't your worst moments and you aren't your bad decisions. Paul would call this your old man. This is the one that was crucified with Christ so that you could begin to live in life and truth over here. This is who you really are. And we begin to recognize who we really are. It changes how we live. It means that I am not what I did yesterday. Now, let me give you a very practical piece of advice on this. This does not mean that you don't take ownership relationally for what you did yesterday. Right? Like, it doesn't mean, like, over, over here, I, I had a, a bad moment, and I stepped out of living in the tree of life because of whatever was going on around me, and I hurt my wife. It does not mean that I get to come back over here and say, well, that's not really me. Right? Like, we, we still take ownership for the decisions that we make, but we have to understand that this is who you really are. And here's the way it works in my marriage, because to the best of my knowledge, we have a tree of life marriage, is that our accountability to each other is to say, hey, you treated me that way, but I know that's not who you are. And so I want you to give account for your ability to live in the tree of life. You're not your worst moments. And I would encourage you, why don't you surround yourself with people in 2022 who are going to hold you accountable to living out of the tree of life, who you really are. In this place, you have righteousness. Say righteousness. Righteousness is right relationship that leads to right living. Do you understand that? You see, when, when, when we go back into the law and into the tree of knowledge of, and good and evil, righteousness actually has a different definition. Righteousness over here is right living that leads to right relationship. All of a sudden, I'm defined by my works. All of a sudden, I'm in relationship with God. I've got access to God based on what I do. But when I begin to live over here in the tree of life, this is what the new covenant, this is what Jesus paid for me to have on the cross. When I live over here, then my right relationship produces fruit, which is right living. Here's what that means for you and me. That when I am making bad decisions, I've got a bigger problem than the decisions I've made with a simpler solution. Did you catch me? I've got a bigger problem than the decisions I've made, but with a simpler solution. You see, the, the solution is, is that I've stepped out of my identity in Christ. And when I live disconnected from the vine, 
then all of a sudden I start making bad decisions over there. Some of us are trying to fix our bad decision-making instead of find the right source. And when you do that, you find yourself stuck and try harder instead of in abide and trust, instead of in surrender. When I recognize that I've been predestined in Jesus, here's what I find, that he's already made a way for me to live out who he's created me to be. I just participate with it. He's so good. I don't have to strive. I just find myself firmly planted in him. I don't even have to try to do good works because good works are the fruit that grow on the life that abides in Jesus. I love what Ephesians 2 says about good works. It says that we're the, the workmanship, the, the custom-made, beautiful, artistic design of Jesus, and that we've been recreated in him for good works, which he's laid out in advance for us to do. That means I don't have to try, I just get to abide. Most of us have been taught the way of religion, but it's been given the way, it's been given the label of the way of Jesus. And so we're trying to get what we already have. We find ourselves trying harder instead of resting in him. When we begin to live over here, what we find is that we're in him and he's in us and we've got access to everything that we need. There's a, a, a few things that you could use to say, hey, I, I know that I'm living in this place. Let me, let me say this to you. When you give your life to Jesus, you're transferred from the tree of knowledge of good and evil into the tree of life, okay? You're there by covenant, not by feeling. That's really, really good news, okay? Because that means that I'm not feeling my way towards Jesus. That means that this is my reality, even if I'm not aware of it. That's the, the powerful invitation of the gospel is that I get to live over here. But what happens is a lot of times in our thinking, we're not here. We're here instead of over there. And here's the way that works. Here, here's what happens. When you give your life to Jesus, what happens is, is that you get a new heart. Say new heart. Here's what you don't get is a new mind. You with me? That's why Paul writes in Romans 12, 2, that we're transfor transformed. That word is metamorphosis. You become what you were always intended to be. You know that uh, a caterpillar is actually a butterfly by DNA. If you were to analyze the DNA of a caterpillar, it's actually a butterfly. It's not yet what it already is. And so the same thing is true for you and me. We have been made new in Jesus. We get to live over here, but sometimes our thinking is stuck over here. 
which is why we need to, to metamorphosize. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, you're, you're saved because you believe in Jesus, but you're actually transformed when you believe like Jesus. When I learn to believe that I am who God says I am, that I see myself, my situations, my circumstances the same way that Jesus sees me, it begins to change the way that I live. You see, if I think I don't measure up based on my experiences, maybe based on how I was raised and, and that voice of like, you've got to try harder, try harder. Or when I think I can't cut it or when you think whatever it is your pattern of belief is, maybe it's shame, maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety. What happens is, is that if we come into agreement with that, it keeps us stuck over here. And oftentimes, we begin to make agreement with the lies that we hear over here. We begin to buy into the, the labels that say, I really am unworthy. I really am fearful. Uh, I really am perverted. Uh, I really am this. Whatever your label is, I'm unwanted. I'm rejected. I'm an addict. I'm a mess. We begin to come into agreement with these things over here. And what happens is a stronghold forms. And that stronghold is a house of lies built on thoughts. And it keeps me from living in that place of life. But what I find is that when I, become, when I begin to agree with truth, it puts me over here. Jesus says in John 8, 32, that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Truth is not simply a concept, it's actually a person. Because Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we begin to come into alignment with the way that he sees us, then it begins to transform the way that we live. So I know that God has actually brought me into his kingdom. He's brought you into his kingdom. Romans 14, 17 says this, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit what I'd like to suggest to you, that the real you is full of joy. Now, you may not always feel like joy, and joy may even seem like something that's fleeting for you, but I want you to know that that's who you really are. The real you is not anxious and not fearful. The real you is full of peace. The real you is righteous. The real you makes the right decision, chooses holiness, chooses love. That's who you really are. So I recognize this about myself. Righteousness, peace, and joy are my inheritance. They're my identity. If I'm not feeling righteousness, peace, and joy, I recognize that I have been living out of this tree while I have access to that tree. And so then I learned that's the place of repentance. Now, some of you have heard the word repentance and it kind of scares you. 
you get like triggered by repentance because you think somebody's about to yell at you in a really angry way. Repentance is actually a good word. It means that change is possible. And the way we repent is that we come into alignment with what he says about us. That's why truth really matters. Now we live in a day that we've tried to make truth relative, right? Like everybody just find their own truth, that stops being truth. Truth isn't relative, but it is relational because truth is a person. And that person will speak to you and lead you into truth. You with me? So it's interesting, the phrasing that Paul chooses in Romans 14, 17, that the kingdom of God, which is the rule and reign of God, if you give your life to Jesus, then you live under his kingdom, right? He's your Lord, and therefore whatever he says goes, and you bring your life into alignment with his kingdom, which means that righteousness, peace, and joy are actually the atmosphere that you were destined and created to live in. And so I've learned that I cannot tolerate unrighteousness, a lack of peace, and a suppression of joy. Because that's not the atmosphere that I was created to live in. Instead, I was created to abide in him, to rest in him. And so whenever those things begin to show up, I recognize that I'm not living in the place that I was destined, created to live in, that I have access to. You with me? Okay. So it's interesting the way those three build, righteousness, peace, and joy. So righteousness is all about right relationship, okay? Under the law, your righteousness was based on your ability to keep the law, which nobody did a very good job of doing. And so what Jesus did is he took our place and made us right with him based on his blood instead of based on our performance. So if you define yourself by your performance, you're living over here. This, I'm defined by my, my relationship. And when I recognize that, then I begin to abide. That word abide means to make your home in. Some of us don't abide in Jesus. We visit him. I'm serious, like, and it's, it's accessible to you. It's your right, it's your home, it's your permanent address. And yet you just kind of visit like you're a college student visiting home. Just kind of show up, I get a little bit and then I'm gonna go back over here. But this is your permanent address. And so righteousness is right relationship. Here's what's interesting. When I recognize that Jesus has brought me into right relationship with him, the result of that is peace. I was talking to a guy a few years ago, struggled with anxiety in a major way. And as we began to talk through that, he, he said, you know, Joel, I, I recognized that I was living in anxiety. I didn't have peace because I, I was actually rebelling against God. I was believing some lies about me and living them out. Now, let me say this. If you wrestle with anxiety, there's probably one of two reasons. One is that there's, there's biochemistry that can just throw you off, right? Like it, it may not be that you're believing lies. It may just be biochemistry stuff that's way over my head. I'm not gonna try to, uh, to, to teach you what, what that's all about, but it could also be uh, that, there, that you're not 
settled in your relationship with God and in the security that you have in him. Both of those, God wants to bring breakthrough to you. Let me just say this to you. Anxiety, fear, panic attacks, one, you're not condemned for having those. That's real stuff that real people wrestle with. I've, I've wrestled with that before, okay? I'm not less than because I wrestle with that. But it's also not your inheritance. It's not your lot in life. That's not what God created you for, and he has better for you. So righteousness leads us into peace. When I recognize I'm right with him, then I get to live in that place of peace because now I'm not defined by my circumstances. I'm defined by him and my relationship with him. That becomes the defining reality for my life. And he's not telling me to try harder. He's just saying receive. I've, I've learned this, that receiving looks like vulnerability. If you want to receive from God, then you have to be vulnerable with him. It's not that he needs to know what you're going through. It's that you need to tell him what you're going through so that you can invite him into it. So when I have righteousness, it leads me into peace. And when I have peace, it creates the atmosphere that I can live in that place of joy. It's interesting, the word joy in uh, the Greek is the word kara. Say kara. It's C-H-A-R-A. Sorry. Nope, C-H-A-R, it's car. Grace is kara, C-H-A-R-A. Grace, most of us have taught that it's a free gift for the undeserving. And that's true if you live over here. You don't deserve grace. You're lucky if you got it. But when you begin to live in Jesus and recognize who he is, grace changes its nature. It's not simply undeserving, it's actually your right. You were actually created to live from grace. I've got like a whole bunch of messages about grace burning in my heart for you this year, by the way. How to live in grace, what it looks like, how to receive it, how to partner with it, how to walk with it. We'll get there sometime. Um, but when I recognize grace over here, it's the empowering presence of God, empowering me to be who he created me to be and do all that he created me to do. That's really good news. No longer am I a beggar from grace, but I am a glad recipient, which leads me into joy. You see, joy, C-H-A-R in the Greek, is an awareness of God's grace on my life. I have joy when I'm aware of how good he is to me, that he's my source, that he's my life. You with me? And so I begin to despise anything that would keep me from righteousness, peace, and joy. I know that that's my inheritance. I know that's the place that I'm called to live in, which is why when I don't feel that, I dig in so that I can abide in that place. And I, I figure out, okay, God, what's going on? What is, what's the lie that I'm believing? This is a good question for you to write down. When you don't feel okay, when you're off, when you're not living in that place of, of righteousness, peace, and joy, ask yourself, what's really going on? What's the lie that I'm believing? Sometimes it comes from what somebody said to you. Sometimes it comes from your circumstances. It may come from your belief system about God or yourself. 
We're also gonna do a, a series this year on renewing your mind. Um, we'll do that starting at the end of February. It's gonna be really good. Um, because when I begin to live from a renewed mind, I get to live out of the tree of life. And I recognize that I don't have to live any less than God's best for me. So Jesus says in John 15, we'll wrap up here in the last minute that I have. Y'all should laugh when I say I'm wrapping up. John 15. I'll read it in the passage translation. It's talking about us, all right? says, I am the true sprouting vine, that's Jesus, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me. You and I are a branch. By lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and by pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Your translation may say that he throws away every branch that is fruitless. It's actually a mistranslation that only recently has been discovered, but it reveals the heart of God. If you don't have fruit in your life, he's not getting rid of you. He's actually propping you up so that you can have life. It's really good news. Pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Let me just say this to you about pruning. Pruning doesn't feel good, right? I believe this about me and you. These have been two of the hardest years that most of us have lived through. Yes? Okay. God is actually pruning us in these years because he has incredible life for us. He has incredible life for the church. He's refining us so that we can be even more fruitful. I believe that we are on the edge of incredible breakthrough in our nation. What God, one of the words God gave me for this year is that it's a watershed year. A watershed year is this. This is what it means. Watershed means two things. If you were to go to the Continental Divide, it's a watershed place where the water, if it drops on one side, it goes one way. If it drops on another side, it goes the other way. I believe for you and me, the decisions we make will determine this year will determine the destiny of our lives. I believe that's true for our nation. Our nation is in a tough place. I believe it's true for the world. There's some evil stuff going on in the world right now. But it's a watershed year in that way, but it's also a watershed year because the watershed is also as everything begins to converge together. I believe that God is bringing some things together that are gonna produce incredible life. But I believe that he's been pruning us through the hardship of the last couple of years. He's been turning up the heat so that the impurities would rise to the top, that they'd be exposed and could be scraped off. And that's why it's key that you don't believe that you're your worst moments. Because if you come into agreement with that, it'll put you over here, it'll put you in bondage. But when you recognize, man, something was going on, the financial pressure squeezed me and I responded poorly to my kids, that means that I've made my kids or made my finances the Lord of my life instead of God. And so now I'm responding based on my circumstances instead of based on who God is. Worship team, give me a couple more minutes. It says, the word I've already spoken to you has made you clean. You must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. Jesus is already determined to be in life union with you. But we have a choice where are we going to live? 
for I remain in life in union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined with me. The invitation of the gospel is not simply that I would repent enough to go to heaven. That's the beginning. The invitation of the gospel is that I would repent, that I would rethink things so much so that heaven would make its home in me. That I would begin to live in the, under the rule and reign of God in righteousness, peace, and joy, regardless of my circumstances. That's what you were created for. I recognize this for you and for me, that for many of us, including me, 2022 has been a rough start. Anybody? Just me, okay. That's good. <laughs> Too tired to raise your hand already. I believe that God has incredible breakthrough for you this year. That you're created actually not to live under your circumstances, but above them. So that your circumstances don't happen to you, but you happen to your circumstances. I believe that God wants you to live in life union with him, that he wants to give you so much life that you are overflowing, that he wants to pour himself into you, that he wants you to exchange your knowledge of good and evil tree living for the tree of life, that you would find yourself in him, that you would have hope that is contagious, that you would have life that overflows, that you would know the peace that, that surpasses all understanding. I believe that God wants to meet you in that place. So I was just digging into scripture over the break. This passage in Song of Solomon jumped out at me. I believe this is for some of you here. Song of Songs or Song of Solomon Chapter two starts in verse 10. It says, the one, this is, in this story, there's a few characters. One is the Shulamite. That's a picture of the church. That's God pursuing us. Then there's a shepherd king and that's Jesus. He's the one that's in pursuit of us. And it says, the one I love calls to me. Arise, my dearest, hurry, my darling, come away with me. I come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and to lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. Listen to this right here. It says, the season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. The season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright and blossoming with bright and blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, it's an invitation. If this is speaking to you, why don't you go ahead and rise? Rise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. 
For now is the time to arise and to come away with me. For you are my dove hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and how lovely your voices in prayer. Here's the command. You must catch the troubling foxes. Those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. Catch the foxes. What are those things that are keeping you living over here instead of living over here? For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Do you see it? There's life for you. He's inviting you into life. 